Welcome to Fitzarns Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer, designed to keep you informed and captivated about the South African residential property market. Subscribe to our channel today and enjoy conversations with some of the most influential, innovative and interesting industry experts, stakeholders and scheme executives as they render input in today's property market. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, a heartfelt welcome to Fitzland's Property Exchange. Yes, we have hardly recovered from Papaya Act, and we are bashed with yet another surprise. With the publication of the Property Practitioners Regulation on the 14th of January, significant changes to the property industry has come about on the 1st of February 2022. The Property Practitioners Act and Regulations aims to regulate and professionalize the property industry. In today's podcast, we aim to discuss this consumer-focused act and everything you need to know in respect of your dealings with a property practitioner. This young gentleman really does not need introduction. I spoke to him before. He is extremely pleasant, very knowledgeable, and I am honored once again to be joined by Dylan Hirschop, a property law expert and attorney of the High Court currently working at Schuler Hirschop and Pinard Attorneys. Dylan obtained his LLB cum laude at the Northwest University, where after he also obtained his master's degree in financial planning law. Welcome, Dylan. Hi, Paul. Thank you for having me again. It's great being here. So let's kick off. What is the purpose of the Property Practitioners Act? Well, I must say, I think you've coined the phrase, you were quite spot on with your introduction, where you said that this act and the regulations actually aim to regulate and professionalize this industry. So for me, and when we have a look at the significant purposes of the act, I think it's twofold. So firstly, as you've mentioned, to professionalize and standardize the property industry, so we're now dealing with a property or industry standard that we now need to um, comply with. And then secondly, and this is as a direct consequence of this professionalizing of the industry, is to pr provide a consumer protection framework. And how will we achieve these sort of the industry standard? So firstly, now the regulatory authority being the property practitioner's regulatory authority, having serious oversight and powers, so finally, we've got this regulatory authority that actually has some teeth and there can actually be real consequences for non-compliance, which then in turn ranges from imprisonment to having to close your business as a whole. Oh, my word. Okay, so let's go back a bit. PPRA, Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority, who are they? So prior to the Property Practitioners Act, we had an estate agency affairs board, but there was quite the serious debate and discussion as to whether the whole property industry would actually now be overseen by this EAAB, as they were formerly known as. Now with the Property Practitioners Act, we've got this Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority, who now actually is the watchdog, for lack of a better word, over the property practitioners and anyone dealing with property transactions. Okay, so basically EAAB 
has now been replaced by PPRA. Yes, it's it's the same building. Um, I think there's just a new and fresh coat of paint on the building, and that's the, the PPRA paint now. It's The EAB paint has now been taken off. Thank you for that, and hopefully more effective. So can anyone simply become a property practitioner? So I personally think the industry is now not like it used to be in the olden days where one can just simply print a few too late or for sale signs and Bob's your uncle, you're ready to go. So now the property practitioner is actually required to be both suitably qualified and suitably experienced before you can actually be regarded as a property practitioner. Okay, suitably is a questionable word. Who decides the suitability? So what I can tell you, and this is actually very interesting, so the the Property Practitioners Act is quite vague when dealing with these things, but the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority will now have this framework where they will now make the decision what is seen to be as suitably qualified or suitably experienced. In terms of being suitably qualified, the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority will, in consultation with the industry, determine a standard of training. But this seems a lot like pay as you go in the cellular industry, but now it's just regulate as you go, as we actually do not know what the standard of training is. The only thing we now know is firstly that six modules would have to be completed within a six-month period, and after that, one would also have to pass the professional designation examination. So this is effective the 1st of February. In other words, these six modules need to be completed by October. Yeah, yes. If you decide today I'm going to register as a property practitioner, you're going to have to complete these modules within six months of registration. So what are the requirements to become a property practitioner? Yeah, so I think I've already touched on the, the suitably qualified aspect. The second aspect is also being suitably experienced. So again, there's no prescribed period where you should now obtain this experience as the Act is still quite fresh and we're waiting for the PPRA to now assist in this regard. But what we can infer from the Act is that during the completion of these modules and the professional designation examination, one would have to work under the supervision of a property practitioner to gain the well-needed experience to enter this property industry. And then lastly, now that we've received our property practitioner's wings, we're ready to fly and to become a property practitioner, we must also take note of the fact that we need to attend to continuing professional development, which is simply on a yearly basis, we would have to attend to a few programs. The Act says a minimum of four modules per year that will then have to complete to retain this status as a property practitioner. Okay, so um, previously under the EAAB, uh, letting agents and um, estate agents selling property were mostly covered. Does the new Act make provision for managing agents? So what I can tell you again is the definition is so broad. It's basically all-encompassing. It's more than two pages of the Act. So I think if we had to read this definition, I think the viewers would still be here until tomorrow. But I think (laughs) I'll just highlight a few significant aspects. So a property practitioner 
includes any person who firstly sells property on behalf of another. So there we can see the link to an estate agent. It also includes a person who lets property on behalf of another. So this is now a rental agent. And then lastly, it manages or any person who manages property on behalf of another. So there's the link to the managing agents as well. Okay, I'm deviating a bit from our questions, but this is quite important. So if I gather from what you say, any person managing um, property, that would be for, re for remuneration, I gather. Yes, so all of these aspects, are, are, I didn't um, think it's prudent that we deal with all of the, the relevant factors in the definition, but all of this, whether it's selling, letting, or managing, it's for remuneration. Okay, so basically it comes down to the fact that bodies corporate that currently have self-management and that person or persons dealing with that would also be considered property practitioners and they have to be registered and comply with all these requirements. Yes, so the moment one manages property on behalf of another for remuneration, one is seen as a property practitioner and then one must give effect to the Property Practitioners Act. What should consumers be aware of in the property industry? What's actually interesting about the Property Practitioners Act is the fact that it's so consumer focused. So we've got an industry now and there is an industry standard and we have to deal with it in a specific way. So things that consumers must know and be aware of is firstly, all and any property practitioners must have a valid Fidelity Fund Certificate. Please explain what that is. So a Fidelity Fund Certificate is the moment when one is entrusted with another person's funds. So in this case, we're going to sell a property. We're entrusted in this um, position of trust. We need to ensure that we um, indemnify the consumer against any loss as a result of theft. So simply put, the moment a property practitioner puts his hand on the consumer's cookie jar or steals money, they need to have this fidelity fund coverage in order that the losses can be insured against. Oh, that's wonderful news. That is something I welcome. Really, I do. Yeah, the big thing is the act actually goes so far to say that a property practitioner is not entitled to any remuneration in the absence of a valid fidelity fund certificate. Yay! Okay, so if, 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 I can, if I can sum this up, a property practitioner must be in possession of a Fidelity Fund certificate. Yes, and the consumer has the right. One can't go without the other. No Fidelity Fund, no property practitioner, no remuneration. So you also, as a consumer, have the right to request proof of this Fidelity Fund certificate and they must then provide you with this. But another um, significant thing that consumers should be aware of is the prohibition on property practitioners obliging the consumer to make use of a specific service provider. So there was this old custom in the property industry where property practitioners actually obliged consumers to make use of a specific service provider or in their mandate gave themselves this authority to appoint a service provider. but this principle is quite simple. You are the owner of the property. You have the right to freely choose which service provider you want to make use of 
in your property transaction. Okay, so let me understand this. As a property or a managing agent, a trustee phones you up and say, listen, we have a problem with the roof. Who can we make use of to have this repaired? There is serious consequences in this regard. Yeah, so this is the thing. As a property owner or a body's corporate, sometimes you do actually employ the services of this managing agent or this rental agent because you simply don't have the time or the effort to actually deal with these types of things. So this does not mean when you now as the consumer ask your managing agent, listen, I want to know who is a preferential service provider or can you actually tell me which service providers you use. This does then not prevent the property practitioner from advising who they use. It simply means we as the property practitioners are not entitled from the outset to inform these consumers who they should use and who they may not use. Oh, okay. So we are not allowed to prescribe or to force them to make use, but we can provide information, but the choice lies with the consumer. Yes, so it, it, it deals with this freedom of choice and that this consumer has the right. And the interesting thing about this um, prohibition is where you are obliged to use a specific service provider, the Act says that such service provider is not entitled to their remuneration. My goodness. Okay, please elaborate on that. So this simply means in an instance where a consumer phones in and says, I want a service provider, and the managing agency says, yes, you're only entitled to use John Doe service providers. And we then now use them as a result of this managing agent obliging them to do it. The service provider is not entitled to remuneration. And where they actually do receive remuneration, the consumer can demand that they pay back the remuneration with interest, just to add the cherry on top. Oh, you make me very, very scared. Okay, let's move on. What are the consequences of non-compliance with this Property Practitioners Act? So firstly, as a property practitioner, you can receive a fine of up to 25,000 or imprisonment of up to 10 years. And then also there's this possibility where they can revoke your Fidelity Fund certificate and then one cannot conduct your business as a property practitioner. This is very, very serious. Sure. Okay. Lastly, if a consumer is aggrieved by a property practitioner, what is the recourse that can be taken against that property practitioner? So firstly, one can lodge a complaint with the property practitioner's regulatory authority, and then they'll deal with the matter. And then when we look at monetary loss, where you've actually lost money as a result of this, One can consider claiming against the Fidelity Fund if it is lost as a result of theft or claiming against the indemnity insurance of the property practitioner where it's lost as a result of professional negligence. Dylan, thank you so, so much for this valuable information. Um, I actually don't know whether I'm going to sleep tonight. Um, this, This is definitely going to keep me awake. But to all our listeners out there, Um, Take note, you are, as the consumer, entitled to this information. Um, And perhaps I said lastly, but last, last of last, um, Dylan, 
there's much spoken about this disclosure document that needs to be attached to an offer to purchase when someone buys property or alternatively want to rent property. Um, do you mind giving us a bit more information on that, please? Yeah, that's perfect. So firstly, when we look at the, the old practices when dealing with the property industry, the purchaser or the land or the tenant, for that matter, was actually obliged to fill in a, a form. They, they were sent a form, and then within 14 days of occupation or within 14 days of registration, you then now had to make a list of all of these defects. So the burden was on the purchaser or the tenant to actually provide this list of defects. So what they've done now, they've actually shifted this burden to the, to the seller or the landlord um, in conjunction with this property practitioner who now has to ensure that before we enter into this property transaction or before we put pen to paper, we must ensure that a comprehensive property defect report is attached to the OTP or the lease agreement. Okay, so this practically means the following, that when you sell, when you're a property practitioner selling property, the onus is on the seller to provide this disclosure document. But that doesn't necessarily mean that whatever is stated on this document needs to be repaired before a transfer goes through. Am I correct? Yeah, it simply means that we need to notify this consumer or the seller or the tenant of these defects. So we can't take the position of, listen, you didn't identify these defects or listen, these defects actually arose when you took occupation. The onus is on us as the seller or the um, landlord to try and do this beforehand so that the consumer is aware of what he's actually signing. Dylan, I'm very sure that there's going to be many more questions and perhaps once again we need to do a follow-up on this. Um, so where can my clients or listeners get hold of you if they need more information on this subject? So if there's any information um, or further explanation needed, they can contact me on 011-763-3050 or they can visit our website at www.shplaw.co.za where all of the beautiful information that they need to come back to me is there. And Paul, just lastly from my end, thank you for having me. I think these podcasts are a great and very informative platform. And I think a lot of property practitioners can take some points, pointers from Fitzani States. Thank you so much, Dylan. That's awesome. Thank you, listeners. We will definitely speak again soon. This was Fitzarn's Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer. Not only do we keep you informed on the very latest in the property industry, we also empower by expanding your knowledge base. Make sure to visit www.fitzarn.co.za to find out more about sectional title scheme management, letting, sales and trustee training. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on all our social platforms.